Welcome to SolkanaCast, two broads talking broadly about health, the physical, the emotional, the nitty-gritty, and the fun. Real thoughts on real health. The information provided within this podcast is not designed to and does not provide medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual and is intended for general information for educational purposes only. Welcome to this week's episode of Solconicast. I'm here as your host, as always, Hannah Whitevin, and next to me, the beautiful, the lovely, Lucia Holly. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) With that dorky enough of Lucia. So good. Um, Welcome to this week's episode, which is going to be super great. We are talking about acne. And aerobics. Getting our pump on one pimple at a time. Yay! <laughs> Zit squish. Oh, God. Sorry. Um, before we do that, let's check in about last week's episode challenge. Uh, my challenge for for me, from you, Lucia, was to uh, think of an embarrassing moment and see if it spiked my adrenaline. And boy, did it. Yeah. And you did it in the episode. Mm-hmm. Live. Mm-hmm. For viewers. Um, listeners. Yeah. And you know what else? Last week... I uh, had a couple other instances where my where my adrenaline was spiked, and I really noticed it. Yeah? Yeah, I really noticed how it affected me. I was doing a show, an improv show, mm-hmm. and before I went on stage, it was, a, it was a new show to me. I was standing backstage, and I noticed, like, I was sweating, and I was like, you know, my nerves were getting up, and I thought, like, this feels just like taking a shot of espresso. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So when you notice that, is there anything that you tend to do in those shows or when you feel that coming on or was it just more of like, oh, there it is. I definitely happening. notice when I'm nervous, I have a better show. Or when I'm like, have that little burst of adrenaline beforehand, mm-hmm. I have a better show. Kind of pumps you up. Yeah. So uh, what about you, Lucia? Your challenge was to figure out your comfort zone uh, and then break it in the gym. In the gym. Yeah. Um, that, well, I definitely... I thought a lot about my comfort zone. Um, I practiced a little bit of setup, kind of the physical setup of like approaching just a few lifts and a wad or two, but then I did not make it to a different class period, which would have broken my practice. Yes. Um, So I'm looking forward to trying that out. Yes. The challenge will continue. It will, which I love. Coming up with a routine around your lifts takes a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Well, great. This week's episode, we're going to look at some different things. Uh, We're going to switch our gears over to acne and aerobics because everyone wants to talk about zits and sweat, right? (laughs) I know I do. I really want to talk about zits, Lucia, because I am having a breakout. (gasps) One breakout? You know what? (laughs) There's nothing like being a 30-year-old and having acne. It's a funny conundrum. You're like, I thought that this would end 15 years ago. Yeah, and then you're like, is everyone looking at my zits? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And it also just like, you know, uh, it's just not fun. It's not comfortable. No, it's not. I've been going through some of that, too, in the past few months. Oh, like, stress face, right? It is. And it's interesting being someone who talks about nutrition. You're like, oh, don't judge my face. Right. You're I, like, I, I swear I'm healthy. Like, I know why that zits there. I uh. swear. So let's talk. Yeah. So for acne, I feel like there are kind of three main facets to consider when you're first approaching acne. 
So those three are going to be nutrition, digestion, and topical care. Topical care. Topical care. Okay. And that's like zit cream and shit, right? Exactly. Yeah. So the first one, nutrition. So I'll just kind of go over each of these briefly. Nutrition really means what foods am I putting in and how are they affecting my general wellness, which I think in our realm, you and I both think about that a lot. We both know that what foods we put in affect how we feel. Um, But I think still in the general public, there's a big disconnect between, oh, if I eat a certain food, I, I would never think that that could affect my skin. Right. Like, well, or or even the opposite. Um, when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. I had terrible acne, mm. really bad acne. And I eventually went on Accutane, which made me an insane person. Really? Yeah. Maybe that story. We could save that story <laughs> for a little bit later <laughs> in the show. But uh, one of the main things that I was told was don't eat greasy foods, mm-hmm. don't eat chocolate, don't eat like oils because it would come out through your skin. Right. That's which I feel like I don't know 100% if that's true. Yeah. Uh, it certainly didn't help me to eat vegetables. Right. Only. Right. You're <laughs> like, well, then I'll just eat less fatty things. Right. How and also, I was yogurt. I didn't have much say over what I ate mm. in the house, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though I wasn't eating things like potato chips or chocolate or whatever, we do, I grew up with a lot of like low fat foods in my house, like low fat cream cheese and bagels for breakfast, for totally, example. So totally. even though I wasn't eating this, the foods that they told me were directly connected to acne, mm-hmm. I certainly wouldn't say that I had like a well-rounded nutrition plan. Right, right. I like ate margarine instead. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. And that was what was supported then too. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So I think it's really interesting, too, that um, because, you know, you and I are about the same age. So I was hearing the same things or, you know, you'd watch the TV commercial for proactive and like people would be on there being like, oh, once I, you know, got on my proactive, like I could eat all the chocolate and pizza I wanted (laughs) and my skin's beautiful, like a baby's bottom. Right. Um, So I've always been so interested in that because I feel like we've debunked these days the fact that butter is healthy so fat is healthy Mm -hmm. but if you couple that with the information that we were given before doesn't mean that the fat from a potato chip from a conventionally produced potato chip that's made from a refined seed oil that's already rancid before you eat it that type of fat is vastly different than the fat that makes up butter right so there was I feel like there were such kind of blanket statements back in the day of like, okay, fat's bad. Fat's going to clog your pores. You don't want your pores to be clogged. Take it out. And what does that even really mean that it's going to clog your pores? Because it feels like how could something I'm eating be expressed through my skin? It's not meth. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's not like it's coming. It's not like, you know, literally with methamphetamines, your body can't break down like the crystals. Mm -hmm. So it just expresses through your skin. But like, is that the same thing that's happening with rancid fats? Like, they can't be it, broken down, so they're being expressed through your skin. So, like, when you pop a zit, you're basically <laughs> popping canola oil out of your face. Mm, there's that chip. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be more nuanced. So, if we're going to go with the potato chip example, and you're eating a potato chip that's been fried in canola oil or uh, corn oil or whatever, um, likely what's happening is that your body's trying to break down those fats, um, especially in your small intestine. And it probably can't do that. So mm-hmm. now there are these large 
fat molecules that could be irritating the lining of the small intestine. Over time, basically those refined seed oils could be kind of inducing some systemic low-grade inflammation. So when there's that inflammation occurring throughout your body, day in, day out, or on the weekly, or whatever, that is when your skin could be showing those signs of that increased inflammation. Okay, so it's more like, it's like a response, it's like inflammatory response, mm-hmm. acne is. So then, but it's just on your face because you have more oil contact on your face versus like the rest of your body. Although I guess some people get chest and back acne. Yeah, but and you can get acne or acne type kind of cysts anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can even think about like little babies can have acne right. too or like acne on their butts and adults yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, but your face might get more of it because there's like less between your skin and your other <laughs> parts of your face. I mean, <laughs> I think that there's more um, oil production in the pores oh, okay. on your got face it. too. Got it, got yeah. it, So that's interesting that we're talking about the face though because there are different theories about where acne is appearing on your face and what kind of system in the body that could be correlated to or why that acne is coming up. So I always also thought that that was kind of hippy-dippy, but I think there's a lot of... Um, there, there's a lot of, it makes sense. So some of the common areas would be that hormonal acne, acne that's coming with changing hormones, appears along the chin and jawline. Mm-hmm. Um, acne that has to do with kind of the liver being overburdened, it's between the eyebrows. Um, acne due to kind of digestive upset might appear on the forehead or on the cheeks. Some people think that acne that's along the nose has to do with the cardiovascular system in your heart. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> do you subscribe to these beliefs? Is this I, like something that has a real connection to science or is it just sort of like what people have noticed as a trend? Yeah, I think that there there is some truth to it. I definitely have noticed that if I'm working with clients and we're working on their hormonal balance and and acne is kind of where their body is showing that there's some of that imbalance, yeah, the acne can definitely clear up and shift and change along the jawline, along the chin. Because my acne was forehead to chin. Forehead to chin, all over. everything all over. Right, right. In the T-zone, as they call it. (laughs) Super fun T-zone. Turns out your whole face is a T. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, so nutrition is a biggie, and... Um, anyone that's been listening for a while or follows me at least knows that that's what you do to shift the nutrition is that you start to eat real wholesome unprocessed foods vegetables um, properly sourced animal meats just see if there's a difference at least in the way that your skin is expressing yep taking out um, foods that are really burdensome on our body so Mm -hmm. taking out those refined sugars and those um, processed carbohydrates taking out Gluten can be big for a lot of people, and dairy is a really big one uh, for many, many people who are struggling with acne and trying to figure out, okay, what's the correlation? Is it a specific food, or is it just kind of this general food group? Right. So there's definitely a lot of play that can happen with that. So the next step then, once you've kind of set the foundation, you're eating these wholesome, pretty much unprocessed foods, is to look at, okay, am I able to digest these? Because someone can be eating a really great beautiful diet, but if their body still can't break down the nutrients and pull the good stuff from that food, it can still be kind of irritating right. in their system. So really what I want people to look at for that is to make sure, okay, do I have enough stomach acid? Am I getting in any type of probiotics? Am I getting in good bacteria 
from foods that I'm eating? Am I taking a probiotic? Am I eating cultured vegetables? Those can be a really great and cheap resource for a lot of people. Sure. Got acne? Eat sauerkraut. <laughs> sauerkraut will solve but all like your the acne good kind, Not the kind in a bag from Cub. Yeah, you want to look for the kind that's like live active. <laughs> Maybe make it yourself. Totally. It's super cheap. Super cheap. Um, so digestion is a biggie. Also, for people who are struggling with more of the hormonal acne, uh, making sure that you're getting in enough fiber. Mm. Fiber is going to help bind to any kind of excess hormone metabolites that maybe aren't able to get properly expressed through your system that might be recirculating. Yeah. Um, so for anyone who thinks that they might have estrogen dominance or some kind of imbalance of estrogen and progesterone, which happens a lot in women, especially for a lot of women who are on birth control. Yeah. Um, increasing fiber, but specifically increasing carrot fiber. Like literally carrots? Yeah, like eating, like making sure I could just eat more carrots? Yeah. Carrots and sauerkraut right? is basically proactive. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you could put some carrots in your sauerkraut when you're making that. Oh, what? <laughs> Mind blown. Okay. Uh, what if I just start rubbing carrots and sauerkraut on my face? You know, you're you're a free agent. Okay. You're welcome to. So uh, when I have a skincare routine, so I, okay, obviously I need to change what I'm eating if I want to really think about it. Mm-hmm. But on, for in, ter- in terms of my topical skincare routine, I when I was having acne as a as a teenager, I was basically told. No oils, so I used like salicylic acid or whatever. Yep. And dried the shit out of my skin. Right. Like tried to eliminate any oil by drying it. Yep. Now, it's like this huge shift has taken place Mm -hmm. in the last 10 years. And now I actually purposefully apply oil to my face. And is it breaking your face out? No. I mean, I don't think so. I don't, because I've been doing it for a long time and only recently have I had a breakout. Right. I don't wash my face with a face wash anymore mm-hmm. uh and instead i use like a, a spray like a what are those called like a toner <laughs> yeah like a toner spray yeah um and like i wipe my face clean mm-hmm. of makeup and things like that before i go to bed i use toner and then i use actual oil yeah i use rose oil on my face oh that sounds lovely hey, it smells so good <laughs> or almond oil or yeah. you know depending on, on what i have i don't yeah. personally use coconut oil Mm -hmm. though I don't have a problem with it um I just find that like what you get from the store is not is great for eating but it's not necessarily like the purest source for your skin like you might want to get one that's like a little bit more uh clean and refined than the ones you buy for food yeah and coconut oil too it's it is awesome for skin I think that's a great oil for or fat for anyone to use but it doesn't absorb the way other yeah. oils do too yeah so, so it's like, a little bit more like if you if you're like coming fresh out of the shower and while you're still a little bit wet you mm-hmm. put some on your face or your skin as a treatment like once a week or once a month mm-hmm. that's great that's what i've experienced yeah. but um the other oils can sometimes like be integrated more quickly right so so what's the deal what's the change why do people change their minds about that yeah, so the the biggie when we're looking at that third factor, the kind of topical care use, is really before we even before we even talk about oil cleansing and these coconut yeah. oils and what people are doing now, kind of the alternative health um, skin skin care care routine is more of making sure that you're taking out any products that are adding in chemicals, yeah, or that are drying out your skin. Like salili- is it salicylic acid? I want to say it's salicylic. Salicylic. But don't quote me on that. Oh, whatever. It's that acid that's in every acne medicine. Right. That and so purposely that, dries your skin. It dries your skin, which 
can be a short-term treatment, but again, it's not, which we see all the time with kind of conventional medicine right now, it's not looking at, well, why is this person getting acne? No, it's like treat the symptom until the symptom is dead. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even tell you, when I was in Accutane, I mean, Accutane is an insane drug. Mm -hmm. Obviously, your doctor should tell you what to take, but like, ask them a couple questions if they are prescribing you Accutane because that is so intense. I was on it for two rounds of six months each. Oh, wow. And it literally made me an insane person. I lost like all control of my temper. Mm. But on top of that, my skin was like peeling off like a freaking snake. Mm -hmm. I was like shedding Super layers of skin like during class. Yeah. There's nothing more. I mean, acne is embarrassing, but somehow <laughs> like molting in the middle of science class is even more embarrassing. No, it's not embarrassing at all. Oh, God, it was <laughs> awful. My skin was just peeling off. Also, I would get nosebleeds, mm. constant nosebleeds. Yeah. Um, like the skin on my hands was very dry. My nails were dry. And is that the one where you have to... You have to prove that you're not pregnant. Yeah, right? you so have you to continue take, to keep taking it. You have it. to take pregnancy tests yeah. on a regular basis, yeah. on a monthly basis, and you you uh, sign a contract that says if you do end up pregnant, you will terminate the pregnancy. Mm. You know, and I was 13 in my first round. Yeah. So that's when I started taking birth control because they require you to have uh, two methods of birth control. Oh wow. One when I was 13, one being abstinence, and yeah. the other being. Um, birth control like the pill right the second time I took it I was 16 mm. and I was sexually active at the time or mm -hmm. interested in being for sure so I was like <laughs> having to do birth control and then regular pregnancy tests right it was and they take your blood every month too because your liver function can decrease by you know a lot right so so all these different methods it's without, insane without looking at well why is she getting so much acne? right right and honestly it did fix it mm -hmm. the second time it took two times though sure it fixed it but i have a i have i no longer like have the same i don't really sweat from my face the same way anymore yeah, isn't right. that weird it makes sense i sweat from around my face and that happens for um some people who have who are sweating too much too and I don't know what what the name of that medication is but for people who are kind of have overactive sweat glands and they're like oh I'm embarrassed by like my big pit stains oh my and god they, Lucia, they I also <laughs> use that and then did that change where you I sweat? don't sweat through my armpits anymore yeah so I still produce like body odor through my armpits mm -hmm. like a normal human but I don't I don't like sweat profusely from my armpits yeah and I did as a kid well I was a kid you know right right but my doctor was like well that's too much sweat so I used prescription deodorant and Accutane at the same time. My whole body was so dry. Your body's like, ow. Yeah, and my basically my armpit, my armpits like don't work yeah. anymore. And now I only use like organic stuff I make because right. of that. But yeah, I'm like totally rerouting because my body is just stuffed up with like the wrong stuff. It's like, oh, wait, you don't want me to do that? Yeah. Oh, okay. But well. you still have to sweat. So you just sweat from like other parts. Mm -hmm. Like, you know... Like you sweat like from your from your belly more like oh, totally. your belly button or yep. like the, like your around back. your wrists. That's weird. Interesting. Just places where heat usually comes out. Like right. my neck gets very sweaty, right, but my right. face doesn't. Right. The back of my neck, like the base of my head. Mm. So it's so. I know, this is like way too much information <laughs> for the world to hear. But it's fascinating. Yeah. It's like the '90s, early 2000s way of just like eliminating the problem is now coming back to bite. Like those of us who did that, yeah, and we're fighting. And like I'm fighting back by being like, you know, using oil on my face to try to teach my face how to produce oil again. And also, so uh, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. So when you use oil on your face, 
that's typically called kind of like the oil cleansing method. Yeah. So people can do that to take makeup off or just generally to kind of support skin health and make sure that it is being protected. Um, but what, what the oil is doing as opposed to soap is that the oil is kind of working with your natural skin oil mm-hmm. and is helping to remove any of that makeup or actually kind of get into the pores a little bit and kind of clean, quote unquote, clean things up a little bit. Um, so I think that that's a really awesome method for people to try out if they are using pretty standard and typical topical skincare right now is to shift over into like go go treat yourself get whatever oil seems fun to you a yeah. lot of people like jojoba oil or almond oil the rose oil sounds lovely coconut oil you can use olive oil like you you already have an oil probably at home that you could use on your skin um, yeah and all you really do it you know there's a title oil cleansing method but you're really just rubbing oil on your face and then you rub it off you don't necessarily have to wash it off you right. can splash water on your face, but just by rubbing that oil in and then using a, a washcloth, damp or dry, to take it off, can feel really nice and really soothing. Not essential oils. No, let's those be are, clear about that. Those yeah. are different. Please don't apply those directly to your skin. And those are very concentrated. Yes, and could some of them can cause There's reactions. Skin irritants. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just wouldn't essential oils. Like if you're gonna play around with those, you can play around with those, but <laughs> do it in a very controlled test type of way right if you're gonna put it on your skin try it like on your arm yeah first your inner wrist is yeah really a good place and also I didn't tell you to put it on your skin I told you not to so <laughs> don't do it <laughs> yeah if you're gonna put oil on your skin go for coconut oil olive oil just a little more gentle product yeah um and if you are using those conventional products and you want to look up okay what like how many chemicals are in this what is it doing on my face because BT dubs, your skin is your biggest organ. So what you put on your skin, you absorb. That's a common trivia question people get wrong, by the really? way. Really? They're like, liver! <laughs> like, you're wearing it. You don't it's even you. know. No, skin! The skin! So your skin is living and breathing, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So the stuff you're putting on it is also, that's another reason why oil cleansing is so popular. You want to be putting things on your skin that you potentially could eat. Yeah. To, to oh, yeah. Degree. That makes a lot of sense because, it, yeah, right. It's like treating a liver dysfunction by dousing it in acid. It might be problematic. If you were to treat your liver dysfunction, it would be by cleaning up the way you're eating. And also, I mean, taking medication that contributes to that. But it seems like you wouldn't want to, like, put astringents on your other organs. So why on... Why on your lovely skin? Yeah. Why on the skin? This is so, a question we're asking. So anyway, what you can do, you can go to the Environmental Watch Group their website ewg.org and they have um, a cosmetics database where they rate on a scale of zero to ten or one to ten um zero or one being kind of like the cleanest most appropriate products Uh that are healthiest and ten being like whoa watch out this has a lot of different solvents or chemicals or stuff added that you likely don't want your body to potentially Mm -hmm. absorb yeah okay great yeah that's very helpful and does it like does it even have product types like oh this makeup company tends to have higher oh yeah they their database cool. is huge so yeah it can, it's by category and by brand okay. and all that stuff. So you can look up that uh your makeup from walgreens and determine if it's okay or not you can and they have an <laughs> app too so real, oh my gosh the slick. ewg app yeah hope they sponsor us after this episode yeah <laughs> so i was thinking for the challenge okay 
It's kind of, it's, I thought of a few different challenges because acne is so, it's so different for everyone. Yeah. So but listen, Lisha, I got zits right now, so you can give me a challenge that I will accept. I think for you, Hannah, I want you to try out, well, okay, it could be two-pronged because we just talked about those three baselines, but there's kind of a fourth element that comes into play that I should mention. Uh Uh-oh, is it stress? Yeah. Damn it. (laughs) God damn it. So looking at what's my my work stress, what's my personal stress, what what does my sleep look like? So I was thinking for you, Hannah, Mm -hmm. what I want your challenge to be is to track how much sleep you're getting. Okay. For the next three days. Okay. And if it's under eight hours of sleep. Give a up night, on life. Yeah. Just. I broke. Yeah. Just get out. You're done. <laughs> you're done. Try to find ways to bump that up. Okay. I can do that. Okay. This I can do. Or if you really can't, think about. No, I can. I can do it. <laughs> think about adding in a 10 minute nap during the day oh okay alicia prescribed it i gotta do it or 10 minutes of meditation okay i can do that okay this i will do very cool anyone could try this too yeah all you guys reduce (laughs) your stress and see how it affects your skin i mean what a cool connection yeah yeah well uh on a very different note we're talking about aerobics as well today really we just picked these two topics because they are an alliteration seems like everything else ran more smoothly (laughs) maybe here let me try Speaking of acne, some people think sweat contributes to their acne or can help eliminate their acne. And when do you sweat? When you're using your cardiovascular system. hey Well, you're using it all the time. So sometimes you sweat when you're using it. <laughs> uh, rough transition. Well, today we're talking about aerobics. And what I really want to talk about is that I think there is a, a misconception about what like aerobics is and what cardio means and uh, I want to clear the air a little bit. I think that'd be great because when I think about aerobics I think of just about like running or doing something to get your heart rate going And faster. why? Why do you do it? What's the point of doing an aerobic exercise? Quote, air quote aerobic exercise. Uh, to look awesome in a bikini. But really what I mean really is that what you think or what? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's conventional. It's, it's okay. like, okay, do aerobics to lose weight, okay. to burn calories. When you think of the word cardio, what do you think of? Um, I think of my heart. Okay. But more than that, when people are like, oh, yeah, I do a lot of cardio. What do they mean? Like, what do you mean when you say something like that? It means that you're breaking a sweat and you're moving your body in space. Yeah. Without weird, weight. right? Yeah. Okay. But... So this is what happens to me a lot. People will come to the gym and they will say things like, you know, I just want to do more cardio. I want to do a bunch of cardio. Or they'll ask me like, hey, Coach Hannah, can we do more cardio? And I'm like, literally, you're doing cardio right now. <laughs> like, Okay, <laughs> you are doing cardio because you're using your cardiovascular system. But more than that, when people are referring to that, they're talking about in like an exercise way. Right. So um, the thing that I want to clarify to them and I don't always do this because it's a long conversation Mm -hmm. is that your cardiovascular system can work in in more than one way Mm. it works in you just blew my mind two ways two whole ways an aerobic system and anaerobic system Mm. so if you're doing aerobic exercise you are doing cardio if you're doing anaerobic exercise you are also doing cardio so what are we talking about when we're talking about cardio we're talking about exercise in general Mm -hmm. that's what people are referring to um, and 
on top of that, the anaerobic system is broke up into two smaller systems. Not smaller systems, but it's broken up into two systems. So when people are talking about the aerobic system, they're talking about the oxidative system. That means that like they're talking about the type of exercise that you can do where you are continuing to breathe and use oxygen to fuel your muscles. Right? Okay. Yep. So, um, and what that means for like when they were, you're actually programming a an aerobic workout is that it's a longer duration workout with a less percentage of effort and energy. So kind of like low and slow. Exactly. Low and slow. It could be, um, it could, you can increase how much you're putting into it for the duration, but that that then depends on your aerobic capacity, how long you can actually go at that level. So it's like if you were to start, if you took up jogging, mm-hmm. like the first week you'd be like, okay, let me jog for like 10 minutes a day. And then the next week you'd be like, okay, now I'm going to bump that up to 15 minutes a day. Well, uh, well, and more like, okay, I'm going to jog 10 minutes a day every day for the next two weeks. And you might find that you go a longer distance in that same amount of time. Mm. So you're actually able to increase your aerobic capacity, the amount of oxygen flowing through your blood gotcha. and your th- through your muscles, how much you can actually like respirate yeah. when you're moving for the same amount of time can change. Okay. So aerobic capacity is something that athletes talk about all the time. They, and you might have heard, like, the phrase VO2 max. Yep. Like, how much oxygen you can change over mm-hmm. and actually use in your in your muscles. And people who are doing something like uh, marathon running or sprinting over a long duration or, like, rowing over a duration, they are interested in increasing their VO2 max because it means that they have that longer – that higher percentage of energy output over a longer period of time. And VO2 max is, I'm assuming, standing for a volume of oxygen. It's kind of your maximal. So how much oxygen you can breathe in. Right. Like your lungs can breathe in. Right. Like how much oxygen you're storing. Yes. And you're breathing in and out. Yeah, it's for, it's for like your minute of kilogram. And how much oxygen you can use in one minute per kilogram of your body weight. Very cool. A lot of people think that if you just do more aerobics, you'll get better at aerobics. And yes, that is true to a certain point, right? If you just do an aerobic exercise, you'll be better at aerobic exercise, of course. If you run, you'll be better at running. But there are other ways to get good at that. That are more efficient? That are more efficient, yes, when in combination with aerobic exercise. Very cool. So this is like exactly what CrossFit is based on, to be you know, perfectly frank. This yeah. is this like idea of the three metabolic pathways is is why CrossFit is a thing. Mm. So let's talk about how we can make our aerobics better. Cool. Anaerobic exercise, please. If you want to be better at aerobics, or if you want to be better at quote unquote cardio, mm-hmm. you need to be doing an anaerobic variation of quote unquote cardio. Right. All right. So anaerobic means without oxygen. Right. And obviously, it's not without oxygen. But it means that you're not allowing for that turnover to take place. Your muscles are working without the same oxidative re-up. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. So there, um, and that's like where the lactic wash, the idea of like the lactic burn comes in, is that your your body's not able to use oxygen to fill your muscles, so they end up becoming a wash with like lactic acid. Okay. Okay, so the two types, fo- the phosphagen pathway and the glycolytic pathway. Those are your two anaerobic pathways. Mm-hmm. The phosphagen pathway is like 100% effort in a very short period of time. Like sprinting? Or mm. like what? 
like sprinting a very short distance, uh-huh. like lifting a heavy weight, like a one one time, like a one rep max, like a very heavy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like doing, if you're a powerlifter and you're doing your 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 max out on your back squat, like that's gonna be you working that phosphagen pathway. Mm. So you're putting in a hundred percent effort. You can only do that for a very short period of time. Right. That you can't continue to put a hundred percent effort in for more than you know those few reps or that short period so if you're sprinting you can only sprint for a short period of time you Mm -hmm. can't sprint for 26.2 miles that would be like an amazing cardio capacity or aerobic capacity um and then the second one the glycolytic pathway this is where most like crossfitting lives Uh that's more like you're trying to creep up between 70 and 100 70 and 80% 80% effort mm. for a medium duration of time. Gotcha. So you're you're talking about like 10 minutes of sustained effort at a, you know, 80% effort range. That sounds like a wad. Yeah, it certainly <laughs> does, right? I yeah. mean, that's what we're trying to achieve when we do those things in the gym is we're trying to achieve um, a, the glycolytic response. We're trying to use that metabolic pathway. And the result is that if you can trigger both of those other pathways, you're going to have a higher capacity in your aerobic pathway. Science. If you neglect one for the others, you're going to end up feeling unbalanced. So that's why we do things like go for a 5K run as well as complete a one rep max mm. back squat, mm-hmm. as well as do a 12-minute workout that requires you to put in 75 80% effort the entire time. So we're really, yeah, we're really touching on all of them. So we always have something varied to keep our body kind of on its toes. Right. To Yes. So and also to teach adapting. our, exactly. Teach our body how to be adaptive and also teach our body how to better utilize oxygen when we need it to happen. Mm. I'm really curious what my challenge is going to be. Oh, okay. So your challenge is going to be, and this can be a challenge that anyone can use. When you're training this next week, mm-hmm. I want you to find an opportunity to hit all three of those pathways so you're gonna find an opportunity in the next week to lift a heavy weight one to three times okay 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 you're gonna find another opportunity to do a a, a wad in the gym mm-hmm. maybe something that is like between five and twelve minutes okay and then you're gonna find one other opportunity to do something that is a longer duration sustained aerobic Ooh. exercise <laughs> That like, one, that go one's for my... a jog, walk, a uh, swim, um, bike, row. Something that lasts for anywhere from 20 to 20 minutes to as long as you'd like. And for each of those things, mm-hmm. I want you to note how much of your energy you feel like you're putting into it. Okay. I can like, do this. And, and what does that really feel like? How yeah. long did you were you able to actually put in that number? Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I want everyone else to do the same thing. <laughs> I already have a theory in my head about each of them. I have, yeah. I have feelings about these three things. Yes. So I'll be really curious now that I'm really focusing on how I feel. Yeah. And you've had those experiences, so you have an idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And our, as coaches, what we're trying to do is get people to understand this so that when we go into a workout, they don't burn themselves up so quickly or they don't go into a one what ret max completely unprepared because they're like trying to oxidate their blood the whole time mm. breathing through it as they try to lift 
or you know not um not building that amount of energy that they need in order to complete the lift mm. we're, we're trying to get people to understand that what these three pathways feel like so they don't have to overanalyze it but they can start to use their own um you know feeling to figure yeah. out what works for them yeah yeah so functional yeah i also my goal of this episode is to tell you people specifically women who think that they just need to do quote-unquote cardio mm. quote-unquote aerobics in order to be strong or fit you can also lift weights you can also lift weights fast for a short amount of time and you can still go for your long run with your friends and you will be fit as hell <laughs> if you do all those things preach yes you don't need to just be a cardiovascular athlete quote-unquote cardio mm -hmm. you don't need to just be an aerobic athlete to be thin to be strong to be fit you can lift lots of weights you're not gonna get bulky no because you're using all three of your pathways you're gonna have a very well-rounded shape I mean really you are your muscles are gonna build to sustain all three of those efforts rather than just one if you are only lifting and you're only using your phosphogen pathway so you're only hitting five three and one rep maxes consistently you will build a different muscle tone than somebody else who's only doing long duration aerobic exercise but if you can practice doing multiple types of cardiovascular system approaches you will find that your body is adaptive and looks adaptive right it'll look balanced yes yay queens be good to yourselves <laughs> come and lift some weights and then eat plenty of food oh and just cover your skin in oil yeah the question i got this week was from an athlete at the gym who is a biker who's a cyclist mm. not a biker like a harley biker <laughs> like a cyclist and he asked me if i'm only coming to the gym two or three times a week and i want to increase my ability to be a cyclist competitively what should i focus on when i'm there it's a great question because I program in the gym as if I'm programming for somebody who's coming three to six times a week mm. and using it as their primary source of fitness. Sure. So over the course of a week, you're going to experience all three of those pathways. Mm -hmm. You're going to experience a heavy lifting day. You're going to experience a more uh, aerobic-based day, and you're going to experience an anaerobic uh, base day that allows you to hit that glycolytic pathway. So what I told him was if you've only got a couple of days to prioritize being in the gym and you are in addition an aerobic athlete, an endurance athlete, save your aerobic time for that time that you're on your bike, that you're swimming, that you're doing your aerobic exercise. Save that oxidative pathway for that time. And instead, when you're in the gym, focus on finding one day where we are lifting very heavy. Mm. And one day we we're doing something more like a sustained effort for a short period of time. If you can mix in all three of those times, even if you're only working out three days a week, you will find that you become more adapted to do all three things better. I love that. Yeah. It turns out you only need to lift very heavy one day a week to still hit that phosphogen pathway and be effective at that pathway. I think that's so reassuring. Yes, you don't have to work out every day. You don't have to, to be really well-rounded and strong and great. And I think it's easy again to fall into that mindset of like, okay, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do it so hard, and yes. I'm gonna work out every single day. And, and let me tell you, Lucia, <laughs> I have those people around. Yeah. And I need to tell them, recovery is important. Mm -hmm. Also, mixing in other things is important because sometimes I see the opposite where people are like, 
oh, I, all I want to do is lift, lift heavy. And that is okay, but it's not giving them all that they desire, right? Because they're their heart is being tested in a few different ways, but mm-hmm. not all the ways. Right. It's not they're, a balanced approach again. Mm-hmm, they're having fat burn in a couple ways and not all the ways. They're mm-hmm. having uh, their lungs are being tested in some ways, but not all the ways. They're not going to increase their overall cardio capacity in at all. Right. Mm-hmm. So it works at every level. You can't just do heavy lifting. You can't just do aerobics. You can't just do glycolytic work unless you want to only do those things. Right. But you can't just do those things and expect to have an overall outcome of um, equal success in each area. I think that's very powerful is learning this information and then being able to make an informed choice about right. what, you, what you want. Because anyone can do anything they ever want to do. That's right. Ever. We all have that power. But mm-hmm. there's so... There's such a lack of really understanding what is aerobics, yes. what is anaerobic, what is that word, what does it even mean, and really being able to look at, okay, now that I know this terminology, let me apply it to what I actually do in my day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, and what do I want to incorporate and how do I want to incorporate it right. to really go far. So that goes to your question, Ryan. Thanks for asking, <laughs> which is that if you want, if you have just a couple extra days a week and you want to support your ability to be better at a longer endurance sport you should spend one of those days lifting heavy weights for a short period of time and one of those days lifting medium weights uh, including some body weight and gymnastics movements for a medium duration of time so between five and 20 minutes boom love that doesn't take too much time at all right and you're going to be better at your sport you will find that you will have increased aerobic capacity Mm -hmm. if you need help you can email me (laughs) Hannah at SilconaFitness.com. <laughs> I'll hook you up. Woo. Okay. This has been great. This is so good. I feel like I learned a lot about my skins. Yeah. I learned a lot about my body. Yeah. I can't As wait to usual. try my challenge. Oh, man. Look, you have you have a challenge, too. You have two challenges. Oh, I do. Yeah. It's going to be great. And you I know what? You can mix challenges. those together. Yeah. Yeah. You can mix those challenges with last last week's challenges. Mm. Yeah. And we'll know where we're at. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode, Acne and Aerobics. Yeah, tune this in is, next time. Yes, this has been Silconicast. Hannah and Lucia, signing off. See ya. Bye. Silconicast is produced by Taj Ruler. Subscribe on iTunes or visit silconicast.libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com for full episode information. You can also visit our website at silconafitness.com to stay up to date on everything health and fitness. Join in on the conversation over on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Silcana CrossFit. See you there.